Thank you so much for your word. And thank you for the ability to gather together on such an extraordinarily beautiful day to worship you and honor you by listening to your word and responding to it. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir up the word of the Father in our hearts so that we can live in a way that brings glory to the Son. And I also ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and fill me up so I can bring your word to your people this day to the glory and praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Paul writes here, beginning with verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, one of the deepest questions that people ask all the time, I mean all the time people are, are come up and, and probably looking back over almost 30 years of ministry now, next month I'll be celebrating the 30th anniversary of my ordination, looking back over 30 years of ministry, uh, the question that probably has come up most often from people coming to talk with me is, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And, uh, and people struggle over this and wrestle over this and they want to know and they want to understand. And I can tell you very conclusively that I know God's will for the life of every Christian. I know it, absolutely, without a doubt, without question, uh, because it's revealed in the Bible. It's revealed in the Bible. And this becomes very unsatisfying, but Paul tells us very clearly here, this is the will of God. This is the will of God for how we live. This is the will of God. And when he says this is the will of God, he's referring to verse 16, 17, and 18. He's referring explicitly to these three verses here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I think sometimes what we do is we make this whole idea of God's will much too complicated in our lives. I remember years ago, I was praying, and, I, and, I, and we had just sold a vehicle, and I was trying to decide, should I buy a pickup truck, because I happened to live in the Midwest of the United States at that time, and, and most real men, you know, they had pickup trucks. So I'm thinking, you know, do I get a pickup truck, or do I get a sports car? You know, not an expensive one. I wasn't going to go after, you know, anything where I'm going in debt and getting like a Lamborghini or something like that. But I had my eye on a particular one uh, at the time. Actually, it was a Mazda RX-7. Um, and, uh, uh, and actually, I looked at one one time, by the way. And I, I sat down in it. It had a really cool sunroof in it. And I sat down in this Mazda RX-7, uh, put my hands on the steering wheel, and stuck my head out of the sunroof so I could have driven the car with my head sticking out of the sunroof. <laughs> That's how small it was. It's one of the reasons I didn't get it. So anyway, I spent months, I mean literally months, because I, I wanted to honor God. You know, I wanted to honor God in my purchase. I wanted to honor God in what I did. 
And so I spent months, you know, just seeking the Lord and crying out to the Lord and asking the Lord, okay, Lord, you know, what is it? What, what should I get? What's, what's the better, you know, the best witness, the things like that. And finally, I felt the Lord speak to me really, really clearly. And he said, Rod, I don't care. Just choose one. Just pick one. And that really showed me a lot about the Lord. Because there are a lot of things in our lives where God just allows us to pick. You know, God, should I go on holiday to Germany or France? Well, God tells us how to spend our money. You know, he tells us what to do with our money. As long as you're not going into massive debt for your holiday, you know, as long as you're abiding by God's rules, as long as you're not going there to take part in the annual nude beach uh, suntan uh, campaign or something like that, you know, that dishonors the Lord. I think the Lord gives us a lot of flexibility and a lot of variability in, in what we do and, and the decisions that we make in our lives as long as, we're seek, as long as we're seeking to honor Him. But there are some things that the Lord really wants us to do that really are His will and that, in a sense, are important for us walking into the fullness of God's will for us. Because there are sometimes actually when we can miss God's best for our lives, there's sometimes actually when God is saying, you know, if you choose this, you will like it better, and we miss it. There are sometimes when God is saying, you know, I really would like you to do this, I really would like you to, to orient your life in this way, and we miss it. And the reason we miss it is generally not because our lives are filled with sin, although sometimes sin issues can, can cause us to do that. The reason that we miss it is not because we're praying enough, uh, are, are, not, are not reading the Bible enough, uh, are not going to worship enough, although those things are important, but many times we miss the fullness of what God has for us simply because we don't do the three things that Paul is telling us to do. Understand here, we're not talking about legalism. Praying, rejoicing, giving thanks to God doesn't make you holier, doesn't make God happier with you, doesn't make you more righteous, doesn't make you more saved, doesn't make you closer to Jesus necessarily, uh, and certainly doesn't make you more and more like Jesus necessarily. And so understand, this is not some kind of legalism here. This is not some kind of, uh, we're going to set some rules now, and if you follow the rules, then God suddenly is going to give you everything that you want. That's not what this is about. Christianity is not about using God as a bank or as Santa Claus or something like that, making a deposit and getting a deposit back and getting a return on our investment. That's not what all of this is about. That's not the focus of all of this. But there are certain things as Christians that we are called to step into, that we are called to do, ways that we are called to live that make all the difference in our relationship with the Father and our ability to walk into His ways and into His will. It's just like if I have a friend and I know that my friend doesn't like anchovies, uh, if I buy pizza covered with anchovies, that's not going to make me closer to my friend. It won't, probably won't stop my friend from being my friend unless he's deathly allergic to anchovies and so he, if he eats them, they'll die because that's, that's kind of sending him a message if I buy him anchovies that I know is going to kill him, right? But 
At the same time, I know that there are certain things that can help nurture that relationship. So if my friend likes to go out and, and watch uh, England football, you know, then I'm going to go out and try to watch England football with him. Except for tonight when everybody should be in the prayer room, of course. So, what are these things then with the Lord that Paul says are the will of God for us in Christ Jesus that enable us to know more clearly God's ways, know more clearly how God is working with us, have a closer relationship with God that prepares us for walking into the fullness of of what all that God has for us. Well, Paul says there are three key things here. And these three things in themselves are not really the problem. The problem or the challenge of these three things is the qualifier. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's the challenge. But God really means what he says. So let's look at each one of these and what what we're talking about. Rejoice. Rejoice means essentially having joy, taking delight in something. That's the focus uh, of rejoice. It's having a sense of joy, taking delight in something, finding pleasure in something. Now, how do we do that? How do we rejoice? Well, joy comes from how we focus. Joy comes from how we focus. A few weeks ago, Karen bought some new plants for our our garden. She's uh, become uh, a great uh, city gardener uh, and just doing some lovely things. And and she bought these plants. I don't know what they are. uh, But at the time, they very quickly, they grew to be about this tall. uh, and, And to me, these things look like weeds. Now, back in the States, this is what I'd cut down with a weed whacker. I know, and I like, I like those big weed whackers, you know, the ones you, you pull on, they go, and you can cut down a house or a tree or, you know, any kind of thing like that. And I, and I would cut these, these kinds of, I mean, they look like weeds to me. And yet, and, and so I said, Karen, you know, what, what is that? Are those weeds growing up there? And she says, no, those are some other doolamaflicky, flowery thingy. What were they? Sweet peas. Sweet peas. I mean, I didn't like sweet peas, uh, the kind you eat until I got old. Anyway, that's a, so they're sweet peas, and, but they look like weeds to me. But the thing is, if I focused on their weediness, I would have cut them down, but Karen said, no, just wait, they're going to bloom. See, she was focusing on what she could see. She was choosing not to focus on the weed-like look of the, of the plant, but on the flower that was going to come. And because of that, she was getting excited about the sweet peas as they were growing, where I was ready to cut them down. And now that they're flowering, I think, whoa, those are cool. I love those things. So I can take joy in those, but joy comes from your focus. You look at a rose, for example. If you focus on the thorns that are on the rose, then you'll never appreciate the bloom. And so we focus on the bloom. And in every situation of life, there are opportunities to focus on things that are good and things that are not good. There's an opportunity to focus on things that bring joy or things that don't bring joy. 
You know, for example, we're in Germany. We're in, in, in southern, uh, the former East Germany, the southern part of that, and very few people speak English. And I just speak a little bit of German. And so, you know, we were, we were wrestling together. Now, some people were embarrassed because they couldn't speak English. But I have enough in German to say, hey, we're in Germany. The expectation should be that we speak German, not that you speak English. And so if I was somebody who is totally self-centered English speaker thinking the whole world should speak English and that I shouldn't speak their, world, their language, then I would get irritated by the fact that they didn't speak English. But instead, I chose to focus on the fact that everybody was working very hard to communicate with me and break down their German so that I could understand so that then I could communicate to Karen. And so I could rejoice I could rejoice. And so what Paul is saying is that all times look for the good. All times look for what is delightful. All the time look for what is pleasant. All the time look for the thing that you can delight in, the thing that is good, the thing that you can rejoice in. And we need to be doing this every minute of every day. Because we could do that. I could wake up this morning, I could focus on the fact that uh, there was noise outside on the street that woke me up, I could focus on the fact that it was warm, I could focus on any number of things, but I chose to focus on the fact that it's a beautiful day that I can get up, and the first thing I'm going to go do is go and talk to the Lord. And so in all circumstances, at all times, we need to look for the good, look for the thing that we can take delight in, and you will find it. If you look for it, you will find it even in the darkest situations. So that's the first thing he says. This is God's will for us. And then he says, pray without ceasing. Now clearly, Paul is not talking about us walking all the time on our knees with our hands folded saying, God, I love you, God, I love you, God, I love you, God, I love you, God, I love you. You know, some kind of mantra or chant or something like that. That's not what he's talking about. But he is saying that at every moment of every day, we need to be conscious of God's presence with us and have, be ready to have a conversation with the Lord. We need to be continually conscious of the presence of God. And this means that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can be in prayer. There was a great little book written a, a few centuries ago called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's a great little book, highly recommended. And he talked about how uh, he would you know, practice God's presence when he was doing the dishes, when he was doing other manual labor and things like that. And so the idea here is always being of a mind both to hear from the Lord and also to speak to the Lord. Because the Lord can speak to you at any point in time. I remember a friend of ours in our last church uh, she was going to the shop and she had two routes that she could take. And she was, it was a bit of a fork in the road. And she was coming at the fork in the road. And she felt like the Holy Spirit told her to go left. But instead she decided to go right. And within a couple of miles she was in an automobile accident. Thankfully she wasn't hurt. But afterwards she said, you know, I knew that the Lord was nudging me to go left. And I didn't listen. She wasn't being in that continual aspect or, or attitude of prayer. So whenever, wherever we are, we can hear the Lord speaking to us. We can hear the Lord giving us a little nudge, 
uh, one way or the other. Or we can be in situations and say, God, what should I do? Or what should I say? Or oh, maybe you're going into work and you're going to have a conflict with a coworker and say, Lord, help me. Right now, I just pray that you come and help me. Keep my, help me keep my peace. Help me keep my balance. Help me not be outwitted by any of the devil's schemes here. And help me to show the love of Jesus. And you can do that very quickly, even as you're walking down the hallway. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can hear from the Lord and you can speak to the Lord. And that's what Paul is saying. Pray without ceasing. When you get up, when you go to bed. You go to bed, Lord, please help me have a nice night's sleep. I commit this night to you. Give me good dreams. You wake up, Lord, thank you for a new day. I don't feel like getting out of bed right now, but I will. Or thank you, Lord, for letting me stay in bed an extra hour or 30 minutes or whatever. But be constant in your talking to God. And then he has the, th the third thing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Thanksgiving is one of the most honoring things to do to anybody. To thank them. To thank them. Uh, I love, uh, there's, there were two birds. I think they were called Heckle and Jekyll, maybe. Uh, and, uh, and they used to have this thing where, where, where they, one of them would open the door and the other would say, well, after you, no, no, after you, no, 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 after you, no, no, after you. And then they had this thing where one would say, well, thank you. And the other would say, well, no, thank you. And the other would say, well, no, thank you. Well, thank you for thanking me. No, thank you for thanking me for thanking you. And they just went on and on and on like this, and it can seem kind of ridiculous, but this is really what Paul is saying. Every situation, we need to learn how to give God thanks. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, sometimes things are not going to be going well, but that's okay. We give God thanks. We give God thanks. Anytime, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we need to find something to thank God for and continually do that. It's not just about our food. It's also about our opportunities. As we were walking through uh, Saxony, Saxon, Switzerland, uh, and we saw some amazing views, we thank the Lord for these views. We just give him praise and thanks for what he was doing. We thank him and praise him for the opportunities that we had, for the beauty that we were seeing around us. We were continually thanking the Lord. And that's what Paul's saying. No matter what, no matter what's going on, even if it's a terrible, terrible, terrible moment, even if it's the, kind of the, one, some of the worst things that you can think of, you can find something to thank the Lord for. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying if we rejoice always, if we pray without ceasing, if we give thanks in all circumstances, then we will orient our lives toward the Lord in Jesus Christ so that we will be ready to hear from the Lord at a moment's notice and ready to walk into the fullness of everything that God has for us in his son Jesus Christ. We serve an amazing God. And this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and set us free from the power of sin, death, and hell gives us the ability to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Father God, thank you so much that you love us, that you've called us, that you've redeemed us, that you've brought us to your side in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to do what Paul has encouraged us to do. In the power you provide in your Holy Spirit, as we go forth from this place and in the week ahead, help us to rejoice always. Help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to give thanks in all circumstances so that we can fulfill your will 
in Christ Jesus. We love you. We pray. We worship you and we adore you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.